my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hello, welcome to the Beach Commute Podcast. I am here today with my friend Emma, who is a nomad. She and I met in Oman on a Wi-Fi chapter back in, what was it, Emma, 2019? 2019. 2019. Yes. 2020 just feels like it didn't even exist. I don't know. So um, I'm excited to share who she is, what she does. I'm going to let her give her background. Um, But yeah, welcome, Emma. Thanks for having me, Marissa. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, so excited to chat. So fill us in. If you could give just the the brief overview. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you work on? <laughs> Those are not so sure. brief, but just the quick version, and then we'll jump into all the details. All right, cool. So my name's Emma McCann, born and raised in New Jersey. Um, after college, I moved to Brooklyn for four years, and then I found myself back in New Jersey, during the pandemic and now I'm back in New York and during that time I have been traveling and being a digital nomad. I Um, love it. Yeah and then I'm a designer by trade and yeah a Wi-Fi tribe member. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm 29 years old. I produce electronic music as a hobby (laughs) and that's about it in a nutshell. Oh and I make videos for Wi-Fi tribe as well. Yes, I love it. So many good things. I know um, when we talk about all the different remote jobs out there, design is always a really big one that, that, you know, we, I think in Oman, I feel like 50% of the people there were doing some sort of design work. But for maybe people who don't know, um, you know, what the options are, or what you, I would love for you, because you've done a couple, I feel like, of different things within the design world. Um, yeah, what do you, what do you work on? What do you do? And then we'll jump into a kind of transition to nomad life after that. Yeah. What, is, yeah. what is the design work? What does it mean to be a designer in, in your life? Sure. So I guess I'll start at the beginning. I um, After I graduated college, I did email design. And that's kind of where I got my start, just simply designing emails. And then I got interested in like the theory and the psychology behind design. Right. And that was my segue into UX. I did a UX boot camp. Um, and then after that, I have been like a UX UI designer, brand designer, still some graphic design in there. Yeah. And so kind of the design I do runs the gamut. Yeah. Um, I like doing everything. And I think that's um, maybe a theme with digital nomads. <laughs> like we like yes. to do a bunch of different things. We like everything. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to be pigeonholed in one box. Um, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you explain, um, um, for those who don't know what UX, UI design is, what it is? And do people, so you've had some formal training, like do people have to have formal training? Like how does that work if someone might be interested in the design world? Yeah, absolutely. Do not need formal training. <laughs> um, I know Google actually just released a completely free design course that you could take online, which is oh, amazing wow. for the field. Okay. Um, yeah, you really, I feel like, Unless you want to become a doctor these days, you can learn anything yes. online. Um, unless a degree is like really important for your trade or you need a certain certification. Um, just 
fire up YouTube. Like I've yes. learned so much pertaining to design, video, and music production from the internet. So no, you do not need formal training. If you're just passionate about something, jump into it and you'll learn and you'll like doing it as you go along. Yeah, I love that. I think what holds so many people back is I talk to people, you know, career coaching and things like that, where they have a desire to travel or have a desire to switch into this career. And mentally, we're like, I'm going to have to go back to school. I'm going to have to pay X amount of money and spend two years and do whatever. But it's really not the case. And especially with something like design and, and so many different remote careers, I'm totally with you that you can learn anything online these days. And it just takes doing it and practicing and whatnot. Um, so real quick, do you mind telling us what's the difference UX, UI design? What is it? And who might be interested in it? Sure. So a metaphor I like to use is UX design is like the scaffolding like yeah. the underneath of a website, kind of where things are and whatnot and how the pages are arranged within the website. And UI is essentially like the coat of paint that goes onto the scaffolding, right. like painting the walls and whatnot, adding the doorknobs, right. making, making sure it all looks nice and works nice. Yeah. So what are some examples? You don't have to use like particular brands or anything, but in the projects that you're working on, like what are some type of things that you are spending your day? Does it like, what does a day in the life of Emma look like these this week, this days or like, what are you working on? Sure. So um, let's see, I'm doing some, my uh, agency, we do growth work for change.org. So I work on a lot of experiments, like tweaking very little things on their website to get people to make more petitions, to get people to donate more to petitions and stuff like that. So I am working on an experiment where we're adding Instagram, like what will be Instagram-esque stories to petitions. Oh, wow. So supporters of the petition can right. add their story. Yeah. So other people can see why they should support this petition. Right. So I mocked that all up, got that approved, and now it's going to be sent to development. Right. So that's what I was doing before this. It's it's so neat to hear because I think, you know, even when I think of design, because I'm not doing it every single day, but, you know, back in my marketing corporate career, you know, worked with so many design agencies. And I always think of it as like, you know, you're designing a product or like this on a website, but like it's there's so many different applications of it. So I love that specific example because it's so different than anything I would ever associate with like a designer you know yeah it's super niche um to think that <laughs> there's a whole like branch of a company that just runs experiments yeah like tiny like sometimes we'll change like one word and see how that makes an impact and so you're doing like the mock-up and the design that you then share with the team for someone to implement right like a lot of what design is is diverging yeah. thinking, divergent thinking. So I make a bunch of different variants and then we right. pick the best ones and we test those. Right. We converge on the ones that we want yeah. to see come to life. I love it. So fun. So some great information about design. I want to back up for a second and go to your life before you started traveling, before you were living as a digital nomad. And we'll get all into that world too. But what was your life like before and what kind of sparked, like, how did you, how did, what sparked that idea to go from, you know, office, corporate, whatever to, you know, and I think you're in New York then, but to then being able to work remotely and travel, like, what did that look like for you? How did that get inspired? Sure. So I like to say that it wasn't 
like a conscious decision to go remote. <laughs> I kind of stumbled upon it via negativa, like subtracting the things <laughs> in my life that like weren't working for me. Like, yeah. I don't know if you felt this, but when a scenario just isn't like working for you in life anymore, you kind of get like this feeling in your heart that it's yep. like <laughs> time to move on. And right. I, I've like followed that most of my life. And that's kind of gotten me to this remote Right. Life. Um, so I was in the most corporate job, still design, but the most car- corporate job you can imagine in midtown Manhattan. <laughs> I passed all these people in suits going to work every day. And it was a culmination of a few things. My job being kind of very like production oriented. I was doing the same thing every day and I it kind of got stale. It was a very cushy job, so that was good. But um, <laughs> yeah, but like I just past the people in suits and it dawned on me that no one like half these people don't know why they're doing this and there's got to be more to life yeah beyond just like commuting to work every day so (laughs) gives me the goosebumps yeah yeah so I was there like it just I reached that point where I felt it in my heart that it was like time to move on yeah um so I did I just quit cold turkey (laughs) of course I gave my two weeks and and such, but, um, I didn't have anything lined up. I was just like, this is the moment. (laughs) Yeah. And that's huge. I'm like, can you talk about that? Because, and I do obviously like tons of one-on-one coaching in my time and career. There's so many people who are exactly in your shoes where they know in their gut, like, this isn't right. This is draining. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm working towards something I don't care about. I'm living a lifestyle. I don't even like, maybe they know they'd love to travel. Maybe they just know where they are. Isn't right. But quitting, and especially quitting without something lined up, is a terrifying thing for many reasons for many people, whether it's financially, whether you're afraid to get something else the next time. So how did you, like, if you could back up to that moment, and some people just don't have the same fear, but, like, were all those thoughts in your head and you did it anyway? Or, like, were you weighing the pros and the cons? Like, how did you just decide, today is the day, I'm putting in my notice, like, I'm doing this? Well, I had money saved up from the job, and... Honestly, I, I feel like I don't have that feeling as strongly as I know my parents' generation and also some of my peers. I was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's good. It's, it's just helpful to hear the thought process because, again, some people just don't have that same thing. You're like, I, I, I acknowledge that exists for some people. But for me, it's like just the time it just it happened and I had to say, all right, on to the next. I don't care. And having the savings is important too. With a lot of people I coach, it's like everybody has a different threshold of like, do I need a thousand dollars saved up? And that sounds fun. Or do I need like a million dollars saved up and I'll never be good until then. Right. So everyone right. has a different threshold for that. As yeah. Well. I should mention that I was living with <clears throat> three roommates at the time. So mm-hmm. per New York standards, my rent was pretty, pretty um, decent. So right, that helped right. me get along. Um, and then design there are many design design jobs in the world, so I'm very thankful for that, <laughs> that there's always, like, ample opportunity. Yeah. Um, I also, at that point, had some years under my belt as a designer, so right. I wasn't afraid. It wasn't like I was, like, six months into my first job out of college, and I couldn't move back in with my parents, and I was like, right. I need this job for my like livelihood. Yeah, I was just like confident in my ability to get some design job right. afterwards if I needed to right. do that. Love it. All right. So you're walking down the streets and I can totally, I used to commute. I lived in New York, worked for Pepsi for six years. So I lived in Manhattan and would go to Grand Central and like commute out with all the people in all the suits. And it was just the same as you. I was like, we're just like all in this box and living like, what is, what is this? I need more. Yeah. 
So you're having that feeling. You put your two weeks notice and you quit your job. What comes next? Okay. So after that, I had some self-reflection time for like <laughs> two months. I feel like um, I'll always, I think I'll always want to take a break between jobs. Yeah, I think amazing. that's just like how I am. I, I get a little burnt out and I need time to think. Like I'm very extroverted, but um, introspective. I, I like to yeah. process things and yeah. like when a chapter comes to a close, I need to like think about it yeah. <laughs> and journal a little bit. Yeah, um, amazing. So I did that for like two months. Um, just went to the park almost every day. I was thinking about what had just happened. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then actually I had gone to interviews for off office jobs. Okay. And then I, all the way up to the interview, I was like, I don't even want to go here. I interviewed <laughs> for, um, like the foreign relations consulate, if that's a thing or something, something like equally as corporate as my right. previous job. And I got there and I was like, oh, I just can't do this. <laughs> um, and that, like those few interviews is what brought me to remote work. Okay. So my first job after that was a part-time yep. contract job for a bank. So it was still like corporate in nature, but right. it was remote. <laughs> um, and that was like... That was like one layer down, yeah. Yeah, and... That was amazing to get my first paycheck from working in cafes. Yeah, that's awesome. That was just like the craziest feeling. And then right. after that, like, <laughs> that's how the story began, getting that first part-time paycheck. I love that. And so with that, did you, was the, I guess the expectation from that company that you would be remote? Like, did they think you were in New York? Did you have to be there? Was there a conversation or were they totally hands off? Like, all right, you're just remote wherever you are. If you get it done, you get it done. Yeah. So they're actually based, based in New York. I went there to like meet the team and interview, but they didn't have any like computers or like a, like Mac computers for designers or like a spot to like, um, set up your stuff, set up my stuff. And they're like, yeah, you could work remotely. It's fine. I love <laughs> as it. As long as you get it. So it was like more like freelance. Like they didn't expect me to come in ever right. really. I never right. went in. Um, it was all through email. Yeah. Um, so that was the expectation with that. Nice. And so with that, did you start traveling then or you were just doing kind of like the cafe scene, just being from home or nearby in New York, wherever you wanted to be? I did the cafe thing for a year. Um, and then... I was like, I want to go to Japan. How <laughs> am I gonna like I had traveled a little bit before then. Um, uh-huh. My first time leaving the country was I studied abroad in Denmark. That was okay. the first time I studied design it was my um, senior year, actually. Another piece of information I want to share is I didn't um, major in design. Yeah. I was a psychology major. So oh, awesome. um, you don't even have to like study design in school. Granted, I did do the like Denmark abroad program, but that was only for like a few months. Like right. you can have a career in UX UI design without the pedigree. Um, so helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think sure. it's really important for people to know that. Cause mentally we really do hold ourselves back. Be like, well, I, you know, it's going to take five more years, you know, whatever it is, but um, that's so awesome to hear. So you went to Denmark and that really inspired your design. That's yes. Your kind of first travel abroad experience. Right. That was my first travel abroad experience. And then, after college, I went to Ethiopia for two weeks and then some European trips in between there. But then, so I'm working part-time remotely. I haven't left the country in 
a year or two. So I was like, I, it's time, it's time <laughs> I go to Japan. How do I? And why Japan, Japan? <laughs> Emma? Because I'm also, I was supposed to do a chapter there last year during, and it was when COVID hit. So I haven't been. Everybody, every traveler of our friends is like, it's epic. It's different anywhere else in the world. So it is on my list. But tell us like, because I'm like you, some people just and just get these sparks of like, this is where I, I need to go. And a lot yeah. of people always wonder like, how do you, you know, when you have the freedom to go anywhere, like, how do you choose? Where do you go? So do you remember or know why Japan was like calling you? Probably just because I looked at it as the epitome of culture shock. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like, heard. <laughs> where can I go to get like this completely novel experience? And right. I, I like the feeling of like culture shock. Some people yes. hate it. But um, I, <laughs> I think I would, it's yeah. like Oman, where we, we can get into it later. Oman was definitely one of those culture shocks of all the different things. We'll talk about. Yeah, I think it was um, the culture shock aspect and probably the cat culture there since they like Aww. cats and I like cats. Um, I like cats too. <laughs> the candy, Tokyo, like all the lights and all like the vending machines. And yeah. stuff. I had a very like romantic vision of this country. Right. You were called for it. Okay, so you're yeah. working remotely. You're feeling called to Japan. What happened next? Then I get hit with the Wi-Fi tribe ads. <laughs> <laughs> did the Wi-Fi tribe ads find you or did you start searching? Do you remember how that happened? That I don't remember. I initially looked into remote year. I know that. Yeah. And I couldn't see myself traveling for the full 12 yeah. months. I had the same experience. And then that's probably when the ads hit me. <laughs> and then I was like, a month in Japan, it's expensive. Right. But I had had like the Chase credit card for a year. And I was in this wacky scenario where I did have a subletter then, or I'm not sure if I did, but I was at least putting my own rent on right. my credit card. Okay. So I had racked up enough points to be Amazing. able to afford the flight to right. Japan. The thousand dollar flight was a comped through my credit card amazing so I was like okay I have the flight taken care of I could sublet my room in Brooklyn okay um thankfully there's like high demand in the area I was living in that I found somebody to like sublet my room perfect cat my cat went to my parents yep (laughs) so like all these of course this is in retrospect but like during the moment all these pieces like served as immense like sources of anxiety like, how do I make this all work? Yeah, talk about that some. Because like you said, when we look back, you're like, of course, I just subletted my apartment and this worked and that worked. Right. And the moment, those are the things where you're like, what do I do with my stuff? I have a pet. How can I afford this? Would I do it? So yeah, like what's going through your mind of, because that really does stop a lot of people. And mm-hmm. those are all very real, very valid things. But like the the best things happen once you push through those and get yourself to Japan or wherever you want to go. So talk about that time where you're like, all right, I'm I got to do this. Like how terrifying was it? How overwhelming were the logistics and how did you manage to get yourself through it? I think just like the realization that this is like a component of who I have to evolve into as a person. Like this is like a part of how I'm supposed to like turn out. Yeah. Like self-actualization. Like I need to, I don't know, just almost fate. Like I just knew I needed an experience like this at this point in my life. I was just going to say, it sounds like then that like higher feeling that it's like whatever you knew you were meant to do or needed for yourself outweighed all of the logistical things that you knew you had to, it's like, I'm going to figure it out because I have to do this. Exactly. Like, and I feel like that's the case for most things. I agree. When there's a will, there's a way. Yes. Um, And thankfully, like, 
it was possible. Anything's possible, but yeah. um, just like the pieces all fell together. Like it was yeah. easy to find a subletter. I had a cat sitter and that was about it. My job let me work remotely. Yeah. And- so did you have to, and first I want to thank you for sharing that. Like, yeah, it's easy to say like this, 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 and this happened, but the emotions of the time were like, it's, it's hard to do it. Yeah. I was waffling for quite some time, like pulling the trigger on booking yeah. the Japan chapter of Wi-Fi. Right. right. And the question, well, and then we'll get back to the logistics of it. Like, do you regret any moment of having to figure that all out and pulling the trigger? No, hundred percent worth it. Yeah. Like yeah. all <laughs> the hours in Japan were hard. I should yeah. mention that, um, I start the Japan chapter was April. I started a salaried remote job okay. in March. <laughs> and me going to Japan was a part of the deal. <laughs> so they knew ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna ask before, so I didn't realize it was a new one. But yeah, talk us through like did you have to ask permission? So it sounds like as you got this job, you were like, I'm already going. Right. That's part of the deal. Will you talk us through how that went? Sure. So I still had this part-time job and then I knew after that part-time job that I wanted to work for an agency because I liked um, working for a bunch of different like clients. Right. Like I didn't want right. it to be stuck with just like one client, which I had been doing for my previous jobs. Right. So that led me to like agency life. So I looked, I applied for a bunch of agency jobs. I finally found one. They're so nice and accommodating. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to Japan. And they're like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, it was very difficult. Um, cause I was a new employee and I was, they let me work Japan hours. So I was working a day ahead of them. Okay. So, was, so what was the time change from New York to Japan? Do you remember? I believe it's 12 hours. So. Yeah. So I've done that with a lot of Asia. You're like literally reverse, but that's literally. amazing. So you were, were you working kind of nine to five ish Japan time? You weren't yes. working. Okay. That's awesome because so many people I know are like, I want to get to Asia, but I have to work, you know, U.S. or South American hours or whatever that is. And it can be really, really difficult. I will mention um, my friend, Chris, and maybe you know him, Chris mm-hmm. with a K. Yeah, like we haven't <laughs> met in person, but we went to the same college and have connected through. Wi-Fi oh, nice. I think actually the first time I met him, we did a, um, a Zoom video. Um, I think was it for your birthday? We oh, did. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the first time. <laughs> this is during COVID. We had a Zoom this is the joys of like nomad community. We had a, like a birthday zoom party when we were all locked in, you know, whatever we were for COVID. And um, yeah, we all have like friends. So I hadn't met Chris, but that was the first time we met. And afterwards I sent him a message on Slack. I was like, we went to the same school. I've heard, <laughs> so, heard so much about you, but we haven't met in person. <laughs> he was on the Japan chapter yeah. and he had to work um, US hours. Wow. And I actually saw him last weekend. Um, he's in New York as well. So we met up along with um, some other friends from the Japan chapter, Kirsten, as Aww, you know. Yep. Um, so we all met up and somebody had asked me, they were curious about going to Japan too, but they had to work US hours. Right. And I was like, oh, I had a friend, but I don't <laughs> know his exact like opinion in retrospect if he thought it was worth it. So I asked right. him last weekend and he was like, it was 100% worth it. So it was do, still- Yeah, okay. like it was just like a ma- really magical experience. Um, really great chapter. Yeah. So if you have to work like strange hours, don't let that deter you. It could still so be a it. worthwhile yeah. experience. That's awesome. So you did this. So you negotiated. That's amazing that they let you work um, your own kind of hours there. Was that really difficult? So you're starting a new job. You're working different hours than everybody else. 
was it helpful that nobody else was bothering you all day? Was it hard because you couldn't interact? Or what was that actual, you know, I don't know if you had to stay out for phone calls every now and then to connect. What was that like? It was pretty hard. Um, I didn't have to connect often. I'd say like every other day I would sync up with the team. <clears throat> it was it was pretty difficult um, yeah. since I was just starting. I needed yeah. like the consistent feedback if I was performing how, if I was, my designs were on right. par with like what the client wanted. I wasn't interfacing directly with the client. Right. So it was tough. I'm looking back now on how <laughs> tough it must have been for my team. Yeah. But in the moment, I was so entranced with like Japanese culture and meeting all these, I, I should say like, everybody on the chapter was at least 10 times cooler and <laughs> more unique and just like great, better than I expected them to oh. be. So I was just like so enthralled with this new experience, People this new are way so of great. life. Yeah. I think like two weeks into it, I was like, I need to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> End of the Japan chapter. That's when Kirsten, my other friend who's remote for the listeners, yep. um, Kirsten and I decided to do the Oman chapter. <laughs> yes, like, I had before up. you left there. I love it. I remember yeah. we were standing in front of her house, uh, Wi-Fi tribe. We had three accommodations. We were standing mm-hmm. in front of her house, and she's like, I just signed up for the Oman chapter. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's so special because I'm right there with you. For, for me, like being able to travel, seeing the other culture, seeing the places, like I would say that's, I don't know what, 20, 30% of it. And then 70% of it ends up maybe 50, 50, I don't know, but ends up being the amazing people and friendships you make along the way. And I think it's really hard before I started traveling, I, I you know, I was like, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to go to these places and maybe I'll meet people for a day or two, but especially yeah. with Wi-Fi track and these chapters, you're with people for, you know, a month really doing everything. And I love, so Kirsten and Emma, they were both with me in Oman and like, this the cute, you guys are like the best friends. It's like so adorable, but you make these lifelong friends and, you know, we go back our separate ways, but you really make an effort. Again, you saw her, it sounds like last week in New York, I saw her pictures, which is so cute. Um, but you meet amazing people and they're so inspiring. So, so when you left, um, I think you're also a really cool example. So I want to get into this because you kind of keep a place in New York, you bounce back and forth. So you'll do maybe a month or two of travel, come back, like stay for a little bit, do it again. Um, so talk us through, so you've done Japan. It was like the most epic experience that you've loved. Did you, right. you did you fly right home? You signed up for the chapter, but there was, how many months were in between those two chapters? Quite a few, maybe um, five. Let's see. Uh, Japan ended in May and Oman was November, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Um, so I flew home and honestly, like I was kind of lonely for those <laughs> five months after meeting such high caliber people. Yeah, the, the irony of people are like, you're going to be alone when you travel and you come back and you're like, I'm alone. Where are my friends I'm traveling? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt. So I joined a co-working spot, but it wasn't the same. The connections weren't as deep. So then I did the Oman chapter. I did exactly the same thing. I subletted my room. Kat went to the parents and then the pandemic hit and yeah. I um, was in Brooklyn for most of it. But then November, I was like... I want to travel again. What steps can <laughs> I do? Yeah. What steps can I take to when I am able to travel again? What steps can I take to make that easier? So yeah. I got rid of my apartment. I moved back in with my parents to save some money. And now I'm temporarily back in New York. I had an opportunity to move back in with my old roommate in Manhattan. So I'm here just subletting for the month before I go to Greece. Perfect. Ah, oh, amazing. 
I love it so much. So let's talk about um, Oman for a second, because that was like the next place you went. So you've done this. And I, I think it's just so helpful to hear how you do it, because you're like, all right, you know, New York is kind of your your base, but right. now you're treating that as like a sublet. That way you have more freedom to pop in and out. You still have your cat, stay with your parents when you're gone. But you really can kind of live in both worlds. You don't have to, you know, sell everything you've ever owned and never return home again, you know, for two years. You don't you don't have to do that. Exactly. For for me, like it wasn't like a one off decision, like right. drop everything and leave. I know it is for some people, but uh-huh. for me it was like a slow band-aid pull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of little tiny decisions that got me to where I am today. You could yeah. still have a home base and travel. That's how a yeah. lot of people do it. Yeah. And it's so helpful to hear because I did like you, like some of those baby steps along the way. But I think a lot of people and I was like this before, I was like, it's all or nothing. Like I'm either here and I'm living normally or I must travel the world forever. Yeah. And you really can can kind of have the semblance of both. You know, it's it's basically whatever you like. Um, but let's talk about Oman for a second. Yes. Um, yeah. What was your favorite part? What did you it was a crazy, bizarre culture that's unlike anywhere I've really spent time. Yeah. What were your kind of initial thoughts on it when you first arrived? Oh, I was very amazed at how many cars there were <laughs> and how many highways <laughs> in Muscat, the capital, where we yeah. were staying. Yeah. Um, that was one of my first impressions. The hotel we were staying in was beautiful, thanks yeah. to Wi-Fi Tribe. Yes. Um, and then slowly as we began to do our weekend trips, I just was in awe at the varied landscapes of this singular country. Like yeah. the first weekend we camped in the desert. Yeah. A few weekends later, we um, went to the beach. <laughs> yeah. To these beautiful, like, pristine islands, and we were snorkeling. Then we went to wadis, which are like watering holes with like rock amongst like the rocks and like the palm yeah. trees. There's just like the landscape was so varied and the people were so friendly. Like, yeah. um, we had an Omani woman invite us for lunch. <laughs> And she yeah. cooked us like this beautiful meal and we all ate as her little kids were running around. <laughs> so I'd say the hospitality and the just pure beauty of the landscape are two things yeah. that I did not expect. Yeah, same. I didn't know too much about Amman before I left. And I have a lot of friends and people who when I'm like, I'm going to Amman, they, they didn't know even where it was or what yeah. country, you know, like not many people know much about it. And um Something I think with Wi-Fi Tribe especially, I love to go to locations like that with the tribe because it's just an easy built-in way to have your community of people who are really working remotely and doing what you're doing, but exploring these cultures and places that are so different than anything maybe you've experienced before. And I definitely can relate to being so shocked by the beauty of the land there. And the like you said, like the beaches, the deserts, the those palm trees in the middle. It's like these like turquoise water. And yeah. the, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, and then the culture, but I'd love to, will you share a little bit of, more about the lunch we did? Cause I, I know I learned a lot about just the female culture in Oman and it was a really special, like, yeah, just a totally local woman. Our friends had met while in a mosque who invited us over for lunch. But what was, what did you learn from that? Or what was your, what do you remember of it? Let's see. She cooked us fish. I remember that. <laughs> uh, we sat on her floor and Udi, the woman who invited us all over, I know she was fairly young. She was maybe like yeah. 23, yeah, maybe even 21. She had two little children and mm-hmm. she was a badass. She was studying to get yes. her degree. And I don't think that's very common in the Omani yeah. culture. So it was just a look into a woman's life in yeah. the Middle East. Yeah. 
It was really special. I um, I agree. She was she was so different than I think a lot of women there trying to pursue more and, and do more. And um, we were a group. I guess there was eleven of us in total in Oman, and seven of us went because only the girls were allowed. Yeah. And I was so shocked. You know, I learned from her that men can have up to four wives and women weren't even allowed to like her husband was away at work. So she couldn't have like the male friends that were with us weren't allowed to join because women weren't, you know, they're literally not allowed to have males into their home if, right. the, if their husband wasn't there. So I thought that was really interesting. And then, yeah, sitting on the floor, I never like everybody in Oman eats everything with their hands. So it was like fish, salad, yogurt, rice, like all just goes onto the floor, onto this mat, like eat with your hands. And we were, I just remember all of us being like, what, like, are we doing this right? (laughs) Like crumbling on my face. But it's to me, those are the moments that make travel so special to like get that glimpse into real life and other cultures to see how people are living and what they're thinking and doing. People are so friendly. Yes. The Omani people were so, so, so friendly. And that desert camping trip we did too, I thought was, we. so we drove for three days and Diego, who you guys know um, on the podcast, was also with us. We drove for, um, it was like three nights through the desert and it was just so expansive. I had never, I had been to a desert, I suppose, but had never like driven into a desert like that where you were just like surrounded by sand, absolutely nothing else except for like random camels going by. But that and was that a really special mosque. trip. Yeah, so mosque is like in the middle of the desert, all of a sudden from just pretty large building, just in the middle of nowhere. Very grandiose, just like yeah. in the middle of nowhere, like almost yeah. a mirage. Yeah. And you guys, will you talk us through, um, so you guys, uh, talk about the hours you were working on that trip, how that works with your job. And I love that you've been fully employed, you know, by a company while you're, while you're just working remotely here. Uh, but you and Kirsten, I feel like did a real, I, I was really overwhelmed. I feel like that trip, I had like travel burnout. I was coaching all hours of the night. I was like, I look back on that and I was like, wow, I needed, I wish I had had a different mindset there. But I think you guys did it really well where you were like working by the pool. Some like you, yourself <laughs> yeah, that. You, you were pool. doing so. I don't remember if it was daily or weekly. You did these like explorations in the morning before you started work. But will you talk about just like from just kind of like a typical day in your life on that trip of like what time were you waking up? What hours were you working and what you were doing when you were not working? Sure. Um, I believe I worked until like 9 p.m. So backtrack eight hours before that was my day. I'm bad at math. I can't do that. Maybe <laughs> it's what, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I worked in sync with EST hours again. So yeah, um, it was fine. It was just like a little later than I'm used to working. Yeah, um, I think most all of us were doing those sort of hours. So it is helpful when you have other people around you doing that, I think. Right. It wasn't it wasn't bad at all because yeah. of that. Um, so Kirsten, too, we worked those hours consistently through the week. And sometimes we'd plan like an adventure before yeah. we started working <laughs> or we'd hang out by the pool. Um and yeah, um, it was nice to have like those set hours. I know that's one reason why I like a salaried position is because I know that these are the hours that I'm going to work. Then I then I like that now. I'm like considering, oh, what if I did freelance? Could I yeah, pull that off? I Could I that. interface with clients? Um, yeah. That's another reason why I like a, uh, like a salaried agency position is I'd rather not spend time finding clients. I'd rather just like do the design work. Do the design. Yeah, I've talked about that with other people who are freelancing where they're like, now I'm just spending my time trying to figure out where the next client comes from. How do I do it versus 
yeah, you might have a little bit less freedom sometimes of hours you need to work if you're with, you know, a company or an agency or salaried position, but you're doing the work that you, you know, hopefully enjoy and you know the paycheck you're getting, you know where it's going to come from. And there's something to be said for both sides of it, for sure. Yeah. But now I feel like my true form is just like this boundless orb without constraints. So now I'm like, hmm, <laughs> how can I get some passive income? How can I yeah. not work at all and just make videos for a Wi-Fi job? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I'm curious to hear about that because um, I, I'm definitely interested in all those things too different passive incomes. I know you're, we have a whole Slack channel for Wi-Fi tribe and you're active on like different stocks and crypto and, and stuff like that. Oh yes. Um, which I love, but it, it's just interesting to note because for me as well, I went from kind of the same trajectory of like very traditional office, corporate job, can you all the things. And then for two years I worked remotely for a company and then started my own entrepreneurial things. And now I'm like really trying to think more actively about how do I invest and have passive income and things like that. But it kind of like it works, your, you work your way up the ladder of, of freedom, in my opinion. So for someone listening, you know, it can be a huge leap to go from, you know, just typical corporate job to completely, whether it's freelance or entrepreneur or investing or whatever, but it, there's little steps that you can take along the way to keep getting like more and more and more freedom. And I, I definitely relate to that, that orb of, of freedom too, where I'm like, I don't, I don't want someone to tell me <laughs> what to do and when, but yeah. I started that way and it was a helpful place to kind of say, okay, now I have freedom to be where I want how do I have more time freedom and you just kind of keep going in that way right your your mind is always turning its gears like what's my next step what what else do I want in yeah. my life yeah exactly um so question for you what do you feel if you think about your life before nomading and now as a digital nomad how do you think it's changed whether it's for better or worse up to you but how do you think you've changed or what have you learned and and why do you like you know as you light up and I'm like would, would you change it it's like no I love this life but like what is it that gives you that grin like what do you love so much about the freedom and, and experiences you've had traveling to other countries I think when I look at it in terms of my old job you're just able to spend time with people that you really connect with like, I tell the story, you could r really, like, drive with your coworker, like, Debbie from accounting, and, like, you can enjoy her presence. You could go for lunch with her every day. But what if you had that time to, like, actually choose where you want to be and who you want to spend yeah. time with? How does that scenario, like, help you evolve to where you actually want to be? Right. And who you actually want to be. How has being a nomad changed you? Or what do you like what lights you up about it that you continue to choose this life? I'd say just my relationships are so much deeper, more fulfilling than yeah. when I worked in an office. Yeah. And it's so interesting because for me, you know, when I, if I think about myself before living the nomad life, what I thought I wanted was to check off, like I want to go to this country and I want to see that and I want to go to this place and I want to see this wonder of the world or beautiful beach or whatever it yeah. is. And while I still love that, to me, it's really more so, like you're saying, the connections that I make with like-minded people along the way. So we might be, you know, in an epic bucket list place, but it's the people that I'm there with that make it so amazing and so fun and, and so much growth along the way. Exactly. It's nice being around people with like the same mindset. And you could, like you say, you could be in the most beautiful place in the world, Um but the people make like most of that experience. Yeah. 
And then also, as you're saying, as you're like, you know, if you're with Debbie from accounting and you really dive, but you're just in an office, you also can, you take those relationships. So let's say Debbie was just as awesome and she now traveled the world with you. You have so much more, I don't know, ability just in the, like you, when I think about you guys in Oman in the mornings, you know, because you happen to be working the afternoons there, but you know, you could you and Kirsten could have been the same, you know, coworker friends, but now you're exploring markets in Oman together in the morning and then working side by side too. And um, what's neat, I think a lot of, I think when I have conversations with people, a lot about what surprises them is the cowork. They're like, everybody's really working. Like you're all just really doing that. And when I worked for my, for myself and working from home for a company, it was really lonely, mm-hmm. like to be in, in your home or wherever. And I would talk to coworkers on the phone and whatever, but now, even though, you know, if you and I are working in the same, you know, cafe in Oman, we're working for totally different companies doing totally different things, but it's like so nice to have your company and your presence. And I often end up learning so much from someone else who's, you know, maybe I need design help with my website and you're sitting there next to me, who knows, but it's, it's really neat the people that you kind of co-work next to and how connected you feel. It really expands like corny expands your mind and like (laughs) (laughs) very like fulfilling and stimulating. Yeah, it does. So what's next? I know a lot of people always ask me, they're like, so, you know, what happens now? Are you going to come home and you're going to come back to normal life soon? I'm like, this is my normal life. But as you think about your life, so I know you've got Greece coming up. Um, you're going to go for at least five weeks. How long are you going for? That's right. Yeah, five weeks. Five weeks, Greece. And then where to after that? So then the gap week, which I don't know where I'll spend that. But yep. then... Montenegro, the Montenegro chapter. Love it. So you'll be there for a month then? Yes. And do you have a flight home? Are you going to come home after that? Do you know? Well, then I didn't tell you this before. (laughs) Technically, I'm also on the South Africa chapter. Oh, me too. Oh, nice. (laughs) I didn't even know. I know. I feel like with COVID, I'm like that one. I'm um, so that would be pretty much so we we're. I guess South Africa would be kind of like November, December ish timing. Um, but with COVID, I think the hard thing now it's like people are still starting to travel and go places, but you know outbreaks happen or new variants and different rules change. So I feel like that one. I'm kind of like I'm not certain it's going to happen, but if it does, yeah, it would be amazing. That would be really cool. It's a long one. It's seven weeks. So yeah, um, I wouldn't be completely devastated if it I would be devastated just for like the circumstances of it not happening but yeah I I would have at that point done two back-to-back chapters so I I think I'd be okay if I had like a little break or even if I went somewhere by myself for a little bit but yeah it would be a really cool experience too if it does happen so So potentially you'll be maybe traveling throughout the end of the year which is awesome I guess so yeah I guess you could say that And then do you have thoughts as you think about your future, Emma? And you may not know this, and that is absolutely acceptable too. But do you have thoughts on, I know people always ask me, like, are you just going to do this forever? Are you going to do it as long as it feels good? Do you want to do it more or less? What is your kind of thought as as you've now done this for a while? I would like to do it forever, Marissa. (laughs) At this point, yeah. I just think it's just the best. I get so much enjoyment out of it. It's really changed my life. Um, I've met so many great people. Um, Yeah. At least Wi-Fi Tribe, I see myself doing that for a long time. I see myself yeah. traveling for my whole life um, in some capacity. Um, maybe I'll, you know, get an apartment and sign a year lease eventually. <laughs> but at this point, um, 
it's not really where my heart is to have like yeah. a solid location. I will probably do it out of necessity. Can't right. squat at my parents' house forever. They've been great. Yeah. Thank you. For listening. <laughs> Thanks, parents. Yeah. They've been very great, but can't do that forever. So maybe yeah. I will get an apartment here and then do the sublet thing. Maybe eventually right. I'll make enough money where I don't need to sublet and I can hire yeah. somebody to watch my cat. Um, yeah. So, but if I were to live in the United States, I think it would be in New York just because it's got everything. Yeah, it's a crazy place. Love to hate it. I love it. You guys can't see Emma, but she's like gazing out her window. (laughs) My barred window. (laughs) (laughs) Into New York. That's awesome, though. But I think what I what I love and admire about you, Emma, is just like how much you're really listening to what feels right right now. And again, I think with everything, we can kind of imagine maybe what a year or two, five, 10 years into the future look like, but you're allowed to change at any time too. So it's, it's really neat to have seen you so unabashedly to say like, I'm doing this job, I'm living this life, it's not working, what's next? I wanna go to Japan, how do I do it? How do I find, you know, and just exactly. keep with that trajectory. And even now I hear you, you know, it's like, all right, I have this job, but how do I have more freedom? How do I be freer in this way? How do I find passive income? And you just kind of- Yeah, always thinking, yeah. Is. Yeah, you just kind of keep evolving and ask those questions. And I think- what I admire and I hope other people take from this, from hearing you, is just like from, you can go from somewhere to wherever you want to be. Um, and all, it's, and it's not easy, right? Like it, it just because you're doing it and right now we can look back and it feels effortless and it feels so in tune and right and traveling and you've got friends, but there are so many points along the way where it's like, what do I do with my stuff? What do I yeah. do with my apartment? How do I find this job? How do I travel? What hours do I work? You know, all the things, but um, I, I hope anyone listening feels so inspired by you of like, how do you just really listen to what feels right and yeah. follow that? Just and, do um, the do the next thing that feels right and yes. doesn't like yeah. give you cognitive dissonance with what you're thinking, yes. like something that yeah. is you manifested. Yeah, perfect. So with that, I'm going to ask us a couple little kind of like rapid fire questions for the end. Um, just kind of like whatever comes up. I'm looking at my list of questions. Um, what is one travel tip you have for someone just getting started? So if you think back to like before you, whether it's like how to book a ticket, whether to book a return ticket, what to pack, what to do, like what's one travel tip for someone if they were just getting started? Okay. My one travel tip is a portable charger. Yes, definitely. When do you use it? How does it come in handy? Um, when you're in a cafe and they don't have outlets, <laughs> that's very handy. That's like the yes. prime, prime yeah. use case. Yes, I love it. I've used it so many times on planes, cafes, all the things. Definitely bring that. That's a great one. Um, and then what, um, what else? What is one packing tip you have? Packing tip, you don't need as much as you think you need. <laughs> and no, I'd say scratch that. It's make sure you have warm clothes, regardless of the location. (laughs) Yes, you can think you'll be in a a hot desert place. And then you're gonna be like up on a volcano in a mountain, you need those layers. (laughs) Exactly. I always bring a semi warm jacket wherever you go. Socks, pants. (laughs) That's a great one. I love it. Um, What are the three places that have been your favorite places you've visited before? Japan, Oman, and southern France. Ooh, I love all I those feel places. like I'm on Vogue. Is that where they do the <laughs> South <laughs> <feel> of France? <laughs> I feel like I'm like lively. 
walking through it her does, mansion. <laughs> it does feel like that way there. All the boats. The, oh my gosh, I love the south of France. Um, all right. So what are three places that you'd love to get to? If you could, if everywhere in the world was open and time, money, all the things didn't matter. What are three places you'd love to get to that you haven't chipped into? Dying to get to India. I know from, I was inspired by your Indian adventures. India and somewhere in, I haven't been to Southeast Asia yet, so somewhere there, maybe Bhutan, very spiritual. Uh, I really want to go there too. I haven't been. And let's say Estonia, just because I was, oh yeah, Estonia and then Turkey are two chapters that I was supposed to do with Wi-Fi Tribe that were canceled by COVID. So yeah, I'd like to get I feel there. like once you sign up for those chapters, you become kind of like attached to the like, location. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm supposed to go. You kind of build it up in your mind of, of, of getting there. So I can relate to that. Those are, so we'll give you four, but those are great ones. Um, and then lastly, what is your one piece of advice for somebody who might be listening to this, who would love to be a nomad or is thinking about it, hasn't done it yet. There's all the obstacles ahead of them, which are very real. What would you say to that person? I guess I kind of hinted at this before, but just like do the next thing. Yeah, that feels right. And you think will get you to eventual digital yeah. nomadism. Yeah, like whether that be like, changing your job that may let you work from to a job that may let you work remotely, quitting yeah. your job altogether, just like learning a new skill that you think will help you work remotely. Just like, yeah. you know, that's all you could do like one thing at a time, like it's yeah. not going to be a light switch, it's not going to be on and off. And then you switch it on. And all of a sudden, you're a digital yeah. nomad, like, yeah, it took like a few steps to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really great advice. Just like, what's the next little thing and keep doing that one thing and don't get yeah so bogged down. Cause otherwise you just would never do it. Cause it's not like, all right, tomorrow I'm just going to go. Yeah. And it's exciting that you're to people listening. It's exciting that you have this idea that you could do this. That's like yeah. the first thing just to like have the little spark that this yeah. is a possibility. Then I'd say that's 90% of it. You're already 90% there. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you, Emma. Any last words you want to share or if people want to see what you're up to or listen to your cool music, anything you want to share, feel free. Yeah, my music's a little outdated at the moment, but I will share my new Instagram handle. It's at Emma underscore M dot M-O-V, like a movie extension. Um, I will soon be teasing the Guatemala highlight video from the Guatemala mm. chapter of Wi-Fi Tribe that I just came back from. Uh, it's coming along great. It's gonna, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, follow me there to stay updated. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Emma. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you soon. See you later. All right. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Emma. What an inspiration to really learn to trust that intuition, listen to your intuition when the call comes that you want to quit a job or try something new or travel the world. So if this is something that calls to you, know it can be scary, but we are here to help. So if you would love to become a digital nomad, have the freedom to work remotely while you travel to different countries as well, just like Emma, you can check out our Go Remote Employment course at beachcommute.com slash G-R-E. And this course teaches you everything you need to know in order to figure out which remote job is right for you, even if you have no idea what skills you have or which one would be right. We help you through that process. We teach you exactly where online or elsewhere to find remote job opportunities so that you can get hired, get that interview, 
ace the interview and ultimately negotiate with those employers so they're totally fine with you traveling the world while you work in a really legitimate job and career that you can keep progressing in. So if this is interesting to you, again, check out beachcommute.com slash G-R-E. That stands for Go Remote Employment. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And hopefully we will see you soon somewhere in the world. Bye.